And what a great thought, what a great truth that our ransom has been paid. I've never been kidnapped. And I hope it stays that way. Although I was in a terrible um, bathroom at a gas station last week. And I thought, boy, if I was kidnapped and had to stay in here, that would be awful. It's crazy thoughts I have. But you know what? If I was, I'd be hoping somebody would pay my ransom. And our ransom has been paid. And I want to tell you something. Life without Christ and eternity without Christ is a lot worse than a nasty bathroom. No matter what the world says about those things, you know, you've heard the expression, "I'd I'd rather party with the sinners down in hell you know, then get stuck with, you know, who, you know, us, you know, in heaven. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. Our ransom has been paid. We were caught. We were slaves to sin, and to Satan. But when we put our trust in Christ, he not only forgave us of our sins, he freed us from sin. He freed us from what held us captive. Taking us from having to sin all the time to not having to sin at all. We still do, but we don't have to. We're not captive to it any longer. And we're so thankful for the promise of God in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he goes on to say that we also have an advocate who stands before the Father on our behalf, objecting to the accusations of the evil one, who acts sometimes like he still owns us. And what does Jesus say every time he condemns us, every time he accuses us? Jesus says, objection, he's mine, he's mine. And the father looks at us through the son and says, objection sustained. Sit down, shut up. You've got nothing on him, you've got nothing on her because He's mine. She's mine. Our ransom has been paid. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, it's on page 650 if you're using the Bibles in the, uh, from the pouches and the chairs. Ephesians chapter 5. Before I knew Ron Hagler, I played in the gym of his church. And um, I had this little boy named William, about two and a half, maybe three-ish. And uh, we, were, we were walking out of the gym after I'd played in a church league basketball um, game. And uh, I was playing for one of the um, First Baptists of Atlanta teams because I was attending that church at the time, working with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And had played a game, and 
we lost. And as we were walking out the door, and I can still picture it, we're walking out the door, I opened the door for William, he's, he's got his basketball and he's got his uniform on and everything. And he goes, dadgummit. And I thought, what? That didn't sound good. In fact, it hurt my stomach to hear him say that. And I thought, why did he say that? Where did he get that? I don't remember saying it, but I have said it. And I must have just said it after we lost that basketball game. And that was what he got from hanging around dad that night. And I thought, no more of that. I can't. I mean, that's not the worst thing a person can say. You know, it's not the best, but it's not, you know, it's not terrible. It's not, there was plenty of worse things I could have said. But that wasn't good. That wasn't good for him to hear from me about something as wonderful as being able to play a basketball game. Even though, even, even in losing I was handing my boys something out of the attic one day. Probably, this was probably in September as we're getting Christmas out of the attic <laughs> at our house. And there's a lot of Christmas in the attic at our house. And I, and I, was, I was getting ready to hand them another, another container. And I saw William make a gesture to Samuel. And the first thought that entered my mind was, when did they see my dad do that? And I thought, they never saw my dad do that. They saw me do that. I didn't know I did that. I didn't know that was one of my faces that I had gotten. And they got it exact from me because I got it exact from my dad. It wasn't a bad face, but it was distinct. And I knew exactly who that was when I looked down and saw that. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Not stopping right in the middle of a sentence. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. I love my kids. Apparently, they know it because they imitate me. Like dearly loved children do. I'm, I'm proud to associate and affiliate with you because you are also loving your children and they're imitating you. And it's, it's fun to watch that. It's fun to see your kids doing exactly what you do. Same facial expressions, same gestures, 
I, I love to hear people tell me how much, how much Sam, our adopted son, reminds them of me. Even though we don't look a lot, look a lot alike. Because of his facial expressions that he picks up from me, because of certain other characteristics. and They say, yeah, he reminds us. Of, I love to hear that because he's a dearly loved son. And we are dearly loved children of God. If we've put our trust in Jesus Christ. And remember, that, that's the key. Don't, don't start out 2020 confused about this. We're his children if we believe in Jesus Christ. Remember that. Not if we try hard. Not if we go to church enough in 2020. That's going to that's gonna, you know, solve the, the mystery. That's going to seal the deal. No. Not if we start doing good things or better things or more good things or more better things. If we believe in Jesus Christ, then we are dearly loved children. And here the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to try to make this specifically for us right now at this time as we start this new year, new decade, although some say, you know, the new decade doesn't really start until 2021. I'm not getting into that. All right, we're starting today. All right. As we start this year out, let's together, all of us who believe, let's realize that since we're dearly loved children, we have an opportunity. Yes, it's also a responsibility, but I want us to look at it from the opportunity aspect. We have an opportunity to imitate our Father. Now, that doesn't even, even sound right, does it? That we should imitate God. Why'd you do that? Well, I'm trying to imitate God. Well, that's weird. Well, listen. It's weird. To the world, that's going to sound weird. So I'm not saying you tell them that you're doing that. You can, depend on your relationship. But make it your goal this morning for this year to be an imitator of God. And remember that as a dearly loved child, you're going to imitate him if you watch him like your kids watch you, like you used to watch your parents, that you'll be an imitator if you look, if you watch, if you, as Mark read in, in Hebrews chapter 12, if you fix your eyes on him. And how do we do that? This is how we do it. This is how we do it. And this is how I I want to encourage you this year as you read your Bible. and, and, And again, let me say as we use that phrase, your Bible, my Bible, let's give thanks that we have this. All right? Let's never take it for granted. Even though we have, some of us have many of them, lots of different translations, even different languages, let's be thankful that we have this book. Because remember, 
we know because, because of our relationship with Bible translators, we know there are plenty of people around this globe who do not have what we have. We have it. And we're going to keep helping others get it. But in the meantime, while that's happening, we are going to use this one or the ones that we have, whatever format, the written one, the hard copy, the phone one, the tablet one, the computer one, you know, whatever one you've got, the, the CD one in your car, all the different varieties of media that we have. We're going to use this Bible, his word, this year to help us imitate him. Because remember, you're not going to imitate him by hearing about him once a week. That's not going to happen. You're going to imitate him by being with him all the time. And we recognize from his word that once we become his dearly loved child by believing in Jesus, that he gives us his presence. And so he's always with us. But the only way that we can find out how he does what he does, what he thinks about the the circumstances and situations of our lives, the only way that we're going to be able to do that is if we look into his word and find out what he's like. And see, the and again, unlike my kids who had to sort out the things they were imitating for me, have to sort out, is that good or bad? Do I, need to, do I want to keep doing that? Yeah, not really. You know, like, like, I, like it hit me. I don't, want him, I don't want him to keep saying, Dad, gum it. It's just a stupid thing. I don't want to, that's, yeah. I don't, I don't want that coming out of his mouth. I'm glad he didn't have to make that decision, but he's got to make that decision about lots of stuff as he thinks through why he's doing what he's doing. He looks back, well, I'm just doing that because dad did that. That's stupid. I don't want to do that, whatever it might have been. You know, what, what, all those non-essential, inconsequential stuff that he picked up, that they pick up from us, they got to decide, is that, is that what I want to do? Is that not what I want to do? But sometimes kids also have to look at, at their parents and say, well, wait a minute, I don't want to do that because that's a sin, what they've been doing all, the, all my life. I don't want to follow their example in that. The great thing that we have in our following of Jesus Christ, of our, imitating, of our imitation of God, is we don't have to sort out the good and the bad of God. All we've got is good. Everything that he does is worth imitating. And so, this year as we read our Bibles, and and there are lots of different ways and, and plans and everything else to read our Bibles. Lots of different ones. Some people like to read through the Bible every year. And some people have been doing it for years. And that's a great, great plan for those people that want to do it that way. Other people take whatever they're studying in their adult Bible study class or their, or their um, youth Sunday school class. And whatever they're studying that month or that week or whatever... That's going to guide them in their daily reading that week. It's a great way to do it. Great, a great plan. Some people take little devotion guides, and those guides will have maybe one verse. And, and I'm not saying reading one verse on, on a daily basis is a bad thing to do, but I would say 
If you do that, read around there too. Read around that verse. Because it's always important. Yeah, we trust the devotional writer to take that verse in its context, but sometimes they don't. So read around it. So don't just, don't just settle for one verse for that day or for you know, that morning or evening, but re- read around there and see what else is going on in that, in that passage. And maybe that'll, maybe that'll make you say, you know what, I'm going to keep reading this devotional, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and read this book that that verse was in, to read all of the surrounding context, to, to, to understand it better. So as I'm looking at that, I can ask myself and I can ask God because Bible reading is also prayer. It's a, it's a prayer time. should be. When we, when we read this passage we, and we say, Lord, what, what about you do you want me to see today? Do you want me to see clearly? And this is a great year to think about this. That what, what about this do you want me to have 2020 vision on? To really be able to see what you want me to think or how you want me to act or what you want me to believe. What is it about what I've just read? Now, now this, is, this takes a little more time when you're reading like this. So remember, you're not in a, you're not in a race. And, th- and that's the only disadvantage I would say there is in, in trying to read through the Bible in a year is sometimes you just get in a race and you think, I just got to get this done. I just got to do it. And, and you forget to ask these questions while you're doing it. So this year, even if you have to slow it down, read through the Bible in two years or three years, whatever it takes to slow down enough to really look at the scripture so that you're really looking at the Lord Jesus Christ and asking, what is it about you, Lord, that you want me to do or be as I read this passage this morning. For example, this, this very verse that we're looking at this morning. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. If that's all we read this morning, if that's all you read in your, in your time with the Lord, and it's all you read in your, in your reading that, that morning, what did, you, what did you pick up there? What did you pick up about God that he wants you to do as you imitate him? Well, first of all, you picked up that God is worthy of imitation. So be worthy of imitation, like God. You've been made in the image of God, according to his word. And now that you've put your trust in Jesus, you've been changed, you've been given his Holy Spirit, you're you're able to imitate him, so be worthy of imitation like he's worthy of imitation. So how does that hit you? Any dad gummits in your life that you don't want somebody picking up? That you don't want your child picking up? That you don't want your coworker picking up? That you don't want your husband picking up or your wife picking up? That you don't want that person that you're witnessing to trying to lead them to Christ? You don't want them picking up? Anything like that in your life? Be imitators of God. Therefore, be worthy of imitation. And do a little evaluation. Now again, this, is, this takes a little bit longer to do this, but it's okay. Remember, we're not in a race. We want to see clearly in 2020 who God is so that we can imitate him well. And we're getting, we're getting kicked off by saying, 
he's worthy of imitation, then so should we. And he also says that we're supposed to imitate God as dearly loved children. You know what that tells us about God? He loves dearly. He loves. He loves deeply. And let that thought run run around in your mind a little bit and think, wait a minute, how much does he love? And then think about the other verses of Scripture that you already know that relate to that. For some of you, John 3.16 pops into your mind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then you ask yourself, can I love like that? Well, husbands, you better. Because that's a specific direct command that you'll get to later if you're reading through Ephesians. And some of you are studying Ephesians right now. You'll get to it. Where husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To imitate God is to love. Not the sentimental hallmark. Excuse me for those of you who... I'm just offended. I'm so sorry. I hear her laughing. Um, Not the sentimental Valentine's love. You know, the heart love. The cross love. Let, Let that symbol, when you see it when you come on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or Tuesday mornings or whenever it is you come and and, and serve and, and worship. Let that be a reminder that I'm an imitator of God. Therefore, I've got to love. Not only husbands love and wives, but we're all called to this. As dearly loved children, he loves his children. We love his children. We love his children if we're imitators of God. And what does that look like? How do we love each other? Well, we, we always try to figure out an easy way to do it. That reminds us there's nothing easy about this kind of love. To be a, a lover like Jesus loves, and that's what we're doing here, remember... That's what makes us his dearly loved children is that he loved us enough to give himself up for us. And there's the definition of our love for one another that we would be giver-uppers of ourselves. That means sometimes we've got to change plans because we love somebody and we're going to do something for them. Sometimes we got to shift our spending because our love for somebody is requiring that we come up with some money for them. And so we got to come up with that money from somewhere and that means it's coming from someplace that we weren't plan- that we were planning on spending another way. Sometimes love is expensive. Sometimes love takes a long time. Sometimes love happens when we weren't planning on loving, when we were planning on 
sleeping or watching the game or going to the movies or going to work. Sometimes love says, no, you got to do this now. Because that's the kind of lover that God is. And we, in 2020, and certainly not only 2020, but this is where we are now, we're going to try to see clearly who God is so that we can imitate him well in 2020. Now, I want to ask for a show of hands or uh, everybody else bowed. If you're in agreement with me, look up and make eye contact. I'm not going to ask for that. Not even going to ask you to come down the aisle, although you may want to come down the aisle in a, in a few minutes. But I want to ask you, are you in? Are you in to be an imitators of God in 2020? Will you develop 2020 vision in 2020 by having your minds renewed by this book? Will you recommit to reading it if you've been reading it? Or will you start reading it if you haven't read it much? Instead of saying, I've tried to read it before and it just doesn't make any sense to me, will you read it anyway? Because I'm going to promise you this. If you stay the course and you take advantage of the resources that are available to you within this body of Christ, you will make sense of his word with the resources that you have available to you. So don't worry about past experience that was was negative and and it didn't work out. I want to tell you, if you'll take advantage of the resources that are available to you right here within this body, you will make sense of God's word this year. Oh, not perfect sense. None of us are going to make perfect sense of it, but we are striving in 2020 to see God and to see his plans and to see his purposes and to see our lives with 2020 vision, which has been informed and instructed and transformed by this book. And it's as simple as that. Will you do that is the question. And I hope that every single one of us dearly loved children of God this morning, every one of us who are members or regular attenders who are about to be members or whatever your status might be, I hope that all of us can say with the affirmative, I'm going to be an imitator of God with a transformed mind, with renewed vision because of the word of God. I'm going to read it. I'm going to memorize it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to dig into it, maybe like I never have before. But will you do that this year? That you might live up to the high calling of Christ to be imitators of God. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, This verse calls on us not to say that lightly. You really are our Heavenly Father. We thank you 
for loving us dearly and for demonstrating that love for us in your son Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for us. Father, there are still some here this morning who can't call you Heavenly Father yet. You haven't given them that right yet because they aren't your child yet. Give them the courage, the wisdom, the urgency, the faith to believe in your son Jesus to call on him to save them, to forgive them of their sins, to change their mind, to follow and obey you at every turn with the strength that you give them. Give them that courage and faith this morning and help them to be thankful that you've done these things for them and that through faith, through believing in Jesus, they can instantly become your dearly loved children. Help them to do that today. And help the rest of us to act like dearly loved children, imitating our Father, recognizing that we are not imitating you enough or well enough that there's still work to be done in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds. And we commit ourselves as individuals, as families, and together as a church, we commit ourselves to using your word to help us see clearly who you are and who we are in you, that you would be glorified in us throughout this entire year, throughout this decade, however long it takes until you return or we enter your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name, our Savior, your salvation. Amen.